<laughs> the flashbacks begin. Thanks, <laughs> Welcome, guys, to the JPS podcast. And today we have something very different to what we usually do on this podcast. And we're here with Sam Skeppis, co-director of JPS, and my brother um, from the same mother. And we're going to be talking about the origins of JPS. So where JPS began, how it all came to be, what our motivations are, and talk to you guys a little bit about our journey uh, through the last eight or so years of our lifting career, as well as the you know, evolution of our business, which is JPS. So, Sam, talk to us about who you are and what your role is at JPS. All right, g'day guys. Um, my name's Sam, as Jacob just pointed out to you. Um, we are brothers, uh, I'm his younger brother, um, and I'm the studio manager at Airport West, um, and a, you know, his business partner, and you know, have a vested interest in JPS Health and Fitness and everything that we have done and continue to do. Um, I've been training pretty adequately for about, <laughs> adequately, about six, seven years now. Um, very mediocre bodybuilder, even more mediocre powerlifter. Um, I'm just trying to do my thing and continue to do so. So, what I wanted to talk about today with the guys was where we began. So, back in the good old days at recreation. The glory days. The glory days. Yeah. Um, we started, well, I started personal training at Recreation Health uh, Club, and I just started subcontracting there, so paying my $200 a week rent. Um, I was 19, almost 20 at the time, yeah. um, just trying to make a bit of cash on the side of my legal studies, uh, which I haven't completed. Sam's just completed his. Guilty, right? <laughs> um, um, so yeah, I was just working away, started personal training, didn't really know whether or not I wanted to do it, um, but I sort of fell in love with everything that was involved from helping people to, you know, just training and nutrition. I really found a passion for it and, you know, was inquisitive as to everything related to fat loss. And I probably spent the better part of five years just perpetually trying to lose weight and get leaner and probably missed out on... In, in the best ways possible, as, yeah. we, as we now know. Yeah, probably missed out on a lot of potential gains that I could have made yeah. at an early stage. Obviously, training like a bro. Like a bro. <laughs> like a bro. A lot of uh, drop sets, supersets, probably you know, 50 plus working sets per session. Really silly stuff. Um, but wanted to help other people and then got pretty busy... In amongst, you know, working another job as a tennis coach. So I was a tennis coach, I used to play tennis. Um, and obviously I was playing VFL, Victorian football in Australia. And yeah, studying my law. So it was a little bit too busy and I had one of my best friends, Tom, Tom Davenport, who's also... Hey Tom. Hey Tom, still working with us now. Um, jump on board and start helping me at recreation, take some of my clients. And I started this thing, JPS, and I thought, I want to be the go-to guy for... Remember when it was going to be Apex? It was going to be Apex. JPS was originally going to be Apex Fitness, because I had no you idea what I was You can't leave now. You can't leave now. You can't change it, can we? No, it's been too long. Yeah. <laughs> so, Tom came on and started taking a few sessions for me, 
and we were doing pretty good. We were doing good mm-hmm. things. We were getting results. I've always been results focused, but client focused at the same time, like doing the best thing for the client. And we started to really fill up. And Sam was only 16, I think. I was 17. Yeah. 17 at the when time. When all that started, I was 17. And mm-hmm. I remember dad was not entirely approving no. of personal training. Yeah, pursuing personal training instead of legal studies, obviously. You know, stuck in the dogma of, you know, go to uni, get a good job, sit behind a desk, pay your dues. But you stuck at it and he said, Samuel, I want you to do your per- do your personal training course so you can help Jacob out when he needs it. And here you know, we are. <laughs> five, six years on, I'm still here and I've finished a law degree and yeah. still planning to continue with, uh, you know, personal training and, you know, managing gyms and doing mm. all that. So... There's something to it, apparently. Um, yeah, definitely. Break and the dogma. Break the dogma is a really good point. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more mm-hmm. um, as we go. But when Sam came on, there was eventually three of us at recreation. So we're all paying our $200 a week, which was 600 bucks. Mm-hmm. We're probably doing around 100 sessions yeah. a week between three of us. And that was a lot. That was, that was like, a lot of sessions. At the time, at the time like, we, were, we were pumping. We were jamming. And I thought... Screw it. Let's rent a place. Um, we'll all pay the $200 a week still. Have our own place. Um, and at the time, the the other personal trainers at Recreation weren't too forthcoming with us doing so well. And there was a lot yeah. of pressure from above uh, not to give us clients and whatnot. So we thought it'd be better just to cause less trouble and go do our own thing. So yeah. after two years of Recreation... We went and opened a small studio on Killer Road, which was literally no bigger than this room that we're in now. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, we bought all the life fitness equipment and, and we had a, an agreement. I, I actually saved all the money for this studio and bought all brand new life fitness equipment purely because we used to get so many complaints at recreation about how shit the equipment was <laughs> and we didn't want that. So it's... So we made sure that we were getting um, good equipment and I'd saved up pretty much most of the money to um, fund this venture. And I sat down with accountants, my dad, who's a lawyer. Um, Obviously, I just started studying law and some other financial advisors and pitched this proposal to them. I Googled a business plan and copied and pasted JPS into everything and, you know, fudged a few numbers to try and make this thing seem profitable. (laughs) And they all told me I was mad. They told me to stay in school, be a lawyer, um, you know, just continue to work at recreation and make good money there. But I was pretty passionate um, about this whole thing, yeah. and we both, we both were like, we both knew that it would work. I think like going back that far, it's like, yeah, big step to take as a twenty-one-year-old, nineteen-year-old mm. to break off and you know put a lot of time, money, and effort into it. I remember days. It was it cost us like sixty grand? Like yeah, when it was quiet. Like, we'd be sitting around, not doing much. couch, Xbox. Yeah, those were the days. Napping out the back. We had a couch out the back and slept. Manning the studio, manning the fort until clients came came in. (laughs) Eventually, they did. Mm. And, you know, now now we're doing way more sessions. We've got a way bigger, you know, client base. We've got heaps of trainers. You know, the family has definitely grown. Mm. It's Um, not just you and I anymore, is it? And, yeah, I think it's a... Like looking back that far, it probably reminds us just how, what a process it was, and the fact that it took six, seven years to get to where we are, 
and you know, still not entirely satisfied. There's always mm. room for improvement. We can do better things. We can help more people. Which and I think cool. that was one of the things that sort of drove us was just always wanting to be better. Um, never saying we know everything. Our systems are perfect. Our procedures. We do are perfect. know a lot though. We we now. know a bit. We know a bit now. We, we didn't know anything back then. Back then, yeah. And we just always try to get better, 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 and improve what we were doing. Whether it was you know how we coached, how we ran the business, you know how we communicate with our clients, anything. We just try to get better, and we eventually at this studio. So it went from me, Sam, and Tom. We eventually had eight trainers, and we we're doing like. 300 sessions in this little shoebox and we got complaints from yeah, we council, got we got so pretty we much kicked we out, we, got, forced, we were forced, forced to, to leave. Um, Which is not a bad problem to have, but definitely it was not a lot ideal. Of, a lot of pressure at, yeah. that, at that time. So we then, uh, I actually sold my house, so Sam and I owned a house together, I sold my share of the house um, so that I could buy the facility that we are now in at Airport West. Um, so I bought, I sold my house and bought a gym. I'm the ultimate meathead, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas everyone else knows you got a door, you got a gym. So it's yeah. like, now he's got less got doors in the house and I got doors gyms. and gyms. And yeah. we moved across to this facility in Airport West. And obviously, like, we made it a hell of a lot better than Keeler Road because we'd learned from so many mistakes that we made there when yeah, we rushed we made that. A lot of mistakes. And it's a pretty cool facility. And now we've got 10 trainers there. We do about 500, 600 sessions there a week. And only just this year, we branched out and yeah. got a second facility um, in Port Melbourne. So for those of you who don't know, is the other side of Melbourne. And we've got five trainers there and that's slowly building. So yeah. we've experienced a lot in our time, haven't we? We definitely have. It's, mm. it's been quite a process, like a lot of time and effort. Man hours, planning, mm. and as Jacob said, mistakes. Like there have been so many mistakes along the way. So many things that we can just like learn from and hope other people learn from as well, like in our own training and in the way we've done things. Let's let us let us talk about that because I, I think there's so many mm. good lessons to learn done from shit. your neurotic eating behaviors yeah. <laughs> when Sam so would not what go to train what or Jacob catch up with somebody. To. So what Jacob's referring to is when we started, I read what's the book? Nutrient Nutri time. Nutrient timing. Oh, God, what a book! The author was. Anyway, obviously that <laughs> really stressed to me, you know, an unintelligent eighteen-year-old, just how important it was to you know pre-workout, intra-workout, post-workout nutrition, anabolic window. Every three knowing. hours. Yeah. So pretty much through my first year of university. I, I was like eating like a kilo of meat. Like it was an absurd amount of meat. I was like having like so five rice cups. Nuts. I was having like just broccoli because I was a very fussy eater back then as well. Um, and like that was it. And almonds. And like God forbid you had one of my almonds. Like yeah, you cost your arm. Someone bite your head off if you ate his. I was eating like I was like oh I'm a hard gainer I can't put on weight. It's like weighing sub seventy kilos. Might have been like mm -hmm. low sixties when well, I started training. When did you start at? I think when I started, I was like, maybe like 63. And you're 74 now. Yeah, I'm around 74, 74 now. So it's like, mass. 74 kilos of stupidity. <laughs> um, yeah, so like I used to, could we, but I was talking to Tom about the other day. I couldn't train if I hadn't eaten mm. or couldn't eat after. It was absurd. My, you literally, everything your, your revolved around my yeah. food. Yeah. And that was crazy. And it was like, even thinking back to it, I was talking to, I can't remember, Tom. It was like, we used to go on, sit down in the cafe, like 
five minutes before we're gonna walk walk into the gym, and we would immediately smash along black. It would no doubt burn Jacob's mouth. <laughs> Me and Tom sitting there looking at each other, going, "How is he drinking it that fast?" And he'd be like, "Going, come on, let's go. We've got to train." It's like now knowing what we know, it's like the caffeine would have been kicked in until we got home, and then we'd be wide awake, you know, mm-hmm. not doing anything. Yeah. Vitago supplements. Vitago supplements. Yeah, yeah I guess that the money. biggest mistake I made was investing my time, energy, and money into the wrong things. Yeah, that, so, and I think I, that just sums it up. Like, like I mentioned, I was pretty much in a calorie deficit, I dare say, for five yeah. years. Um, I was in a surplus. And Sam was in a surplus, so we went on completely different scales, and we were training very similar. We were just... Hit each muscle like completely once a week, yeah. no regard for technique, volume, 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 volume. Nothing mattered. And yeah, yeah, I would do cardio, fasted every morning. I would cardio. take supplements, like they were going out of fashion. I was probably spending, I worked it out about $400 a month as a, you know, this was like when I was 16, 17. Yeah. It was a lot of money. It was like, a lot we, of money. Between us, you know, even despite like sponsorships and stuff, like mm-hmm. we both put a lot of money into supplements. Triple A supplements. We used to drive out there. Yeah. You know, give them a shout out. out. <laughs> um, what about like competing? Our first, well, my first comp. Oh, so yeah. Jacob first competed and I was like, fuck, I, I can do that better than him, surely. Like anything he can do, I can do better. So I was like, next year, I'll do it. And I think I was like 18 at the time. I was like, that's awesome. Like getting on stage in a G-string, like looking jacked. I probably, I only weighed and like 70 something kilos when I made the decision to compete in like mm. 16 months time and we went through that prep together actually and that was like that was that's, it, that's, it does an eye-opening experience as mm. business partners and brothers like you do some shit that not many people do with their family yeah we yeah. shaved each other's butts yeah tanned tanned each other like you get a lot of weird stuff yeah super weird <laughs> bodybuilding is an extremely unique but, subculture yeah it was cool like Back then, but a lot of challenges. That, like we we overcame so many personal. Um, yeah, that it was obstacles. I think the, like one of the most interesting things like for yeah, that prep is definitely like, brought us closer. Yeah, the difference in like how you you had to handle it compared to me. I remember I had one of the bloody exercise bikes behind the couch at Dad's, and I would ride that like at night, just watching TV, because mm-hmm. like calories out, calories out, <laughs> and but that was when. Much. Yeah, so that's really it's interesting like, because that was I don't think prep I went. That was like the only cardio I did for the entire yeah. prep, and I ended up I went from eighty kilos to sixty one in yeah. 20, 25 weeks, and yeah. that that battered me for years. Like, yeah, I think it's, only it's now scarred both of us. Yeah, I think now yeah. I'm only ready to. Probably that was in two thousand and thirteen, four years later, and we're both yeah. only just starting to contemplate the idea. Um, not because we necessarily had a really bad experience in bodybuilding itself or necessarily the process but just the stress I think I attribute it to we got to make the mistakes that our clients probably now don't have Mm. to make like we like even then like your first prep compared to your second prep was like your first prep sucked yeah that was chicken broccoli no carbs that was cardio three times a day no training program and that was everything and then Incredible. you went to more like, you know, the flexible dieting. Mm. Like, I remember I was like having jelly and stuff. It's like, I didn't eat vegetables until yeah, that first my first prep. Was prep. Hard. That like, first prep was hard. I started right? eating like asparagus and stuff. Mm. I remember freaking out one day thinking I had like a tumor or something because my belly button was like now poking out. And I couldn't <laughs> believe it. It was like, yeah. there's so many lessons like from that prep. And like, 
Well, what would be the lessons that the lessons you would share? Um, the lessons I would share. Okay, like just like focus on your priorities. Like trying to balance things. Like if you're not in the right state mm. of mind, that's exactly what I was going to say. To <laughs> tackle a contest prep, you gotta have your shit sorted. I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah, mm. it's not for, and you can't do it for someone else. You can't do it because your coach said you look great if you're super lean. Like anyone can be lean, but you know. Doing a physique show is another level. It's pushing your body to the limits and really seeing what you can do. Obviously, now there's so many different categories, so you know different ones require different levels of conditioning. Conditioning, and yeah, again, like that requires a different amount of effort. But you have to do it for the right reasons. I think doing a comp is something that you need to do for yourself, and you need a solid support network around you. You can't just you can't make it on your own. We did our first prep together. Um, and like that was an experience in itself like we did all sorts of things that you know don't need to be mentioned but you go it's a different it requires a different level of effort and if you don't have people around you who support you and understand why you're doing it then it just makes it so much harder to get through it yeah and you need to yeah like we mentioned be in a place where You've got everything in your life sorted because there's going to be a lot of obstacles and challenges yeah. and you need to be able to overcome them. And yeah, definitely having someone there, you know, who supports you can help with that. You know, we had a number of hardships throughout our contest prep um, that made things extremely difficult. Um, you know, we lost a family member. Our nan passed away what, the, in our peak week, in our final yeah, week. Yeah, we competed the... Three days after the funeral, I think it was. Yeah. Mm. No, we competed before the funeral. Oh, right. We had comps. I we compete. You were going to go to Perth or somewhere. Yeah, I qualified for the Oceanas and... That was like a national thing for the WBFF, from memory. Yeah, yeah. WMB. AMB. Yeah, whatever it was. WMB. Too many acronyms. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, you know, if things like that much. happen, how are you going to cope mm. with it? Like, what if... You know, you lose your job. What if, you know, your partner can't handle it and they break up with you? Are you going to continue a prep or are you going to, you know, stop? It's a selfish thing. So you do need to be in the right place to tackle it. Um, I remember how hard it was dealing with clients. Like Yeah, and yeah. clients. Like, shit. Like, bless all of our clients. Like, we Especially have, the ones we who have, suck around. <laughs> yeah, we have some really, like, cool clients. understanding yeah. clients more than anything. Like, mm. incredible people who come to us for help, but... You know, they'd help us and support us just as much as you know, we do them. Like, and I think they don't, any clients who are watching this, you don't realize just like how much you add to our lives and add value, you know, and we appreciate that and have appreciated everything you did in the past. Like my first ever client has stuck with me, you know, she's still with me. Karen, I love you, but <laughs> she, she, yeah, she's- Why is there a but? Because <laughs> she's seen me at my worst and she's still there. Like, it yeah. takes- it takes a strong connection with other people to have that, you know? Mm. You, lo you lose, like, relationships break down around you. So, and especially in a business sense, like, why people would want to stay with someone who's miserable or, you know, is just so self-involved or so focused on themselves is kind of beyond me. But they did, and here we are. Mm. And now we're thinking about competing again, maybe. Next year. Stay tuned. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the clients and personal training. So we spoke a little bit about what our journey was yeah. in competing and getting on the bodybuilding stage, we can further that 
as to what happened after we got into the bodybuilding. But let's talk about the clients. So from my end, I've always been client-centered and wanted yeah. results and to care for the client and do everything in my power to give them the you know skills necessary and the power to change their lives to achieve whatever goal they want. I guess that's been our philosophy from day one. Yeah. But why do you think, because for those of you who don't know, the average tenure of personal trainers is about six, six months. months. Um, so we've been doing it for, you know, six plus like years. Times um, and time. we have a lot of coaches and, you know, clients. And I guess we'd like to share with any of you coaches out there or, you know, even if you're looking to get a coach, what we think, you know, has made us successful or makes for good coaches. Um, so what do you think some of those things are? Why, why do you think we've... Now we're in a position to sit behind a camera and talk about our s small success, I guess. I think, like, paramount in probably, well, any human relationship is, like, transparency. Like, you need to be, like, oh, open, sorry. honest. You need, you can't be, you know, this fake person who, you know, especially in personal training, it's, it is a business relationship. Like, we all know that. Let's not pretend it's not. And if someone's paying for a service, like, if you just want their money, it will be abundantly clear. If you genuinely care about them, it will also be abundantly clear. Like people can see through that. So I think it's best, and it's one thing that we've learned. It was like initially, like we'd be lying if, especially me, we'd be lying if we said it wasn't about the money initially. But you soon grow and learn that it can't be about that because the money will inherently look after itself. Mm. If you do a good thing with good people, they will tell their friends, they'll tell their family, and I think there's no greater compliment than having you know someone refer on family or friends because. You know, not only did they, like, they were that satisfied with what you did with them, they're willing to put people that they love, you know, in your hands and your care. So I think transparency and, like, doing it for the Definitely. right reasons is, like, the number one thing. Second to that, I think you have to have, like, an ability to make mistakes and to learn from those mistakes. Quick like, smart. yeah, it's like, I've lost clients, you've lost clients, we've done, you know, we've... But I think most of the things we've done, you know... Uh, for the right reasons. Again, our heart was in it, but sometimes those things don't work out. Mm. And you have to make mistakes. But we, yeah, we've had to make mistakes. We've had to learn along the way. And, you know, you only really learn when you make mistakes. Like, and I think you have to be willing to really throw yourself into it and learn as much as you can. Like, but in a practical sense. You don't need to go and learn, you know, all 206 bones mm -hmm. in the body. 206 bones in the body. Clients don't care about that. Clients want to know... What's going to help them, you know, lose body fat? And even then, they don't really know, they don't care about what is going to get them there. They just want to know how they can get there mm. in the quickest way possible. So I think you need to have, like, a sound base of knowledge and just a willingness to do build some, like, yeah, build on that and make mistakes, like, whether it be in your own training or with clients. Like, you just have to throw yourself into it and go for it. Thirdly, I just think you have to train yourself. I don't think... It's a big one. I don't think that, like, it just doesn't look good. Like, if you don't, at least in some way, look the part, or, you know, it's all on good to be like, yeah, I competed 10 years ago, but I'm a fat slob now. It's kind of like, well, you know, why are you a fat slob? Like, how can you be in a position to tell me that I need, like, you know, I need to lose five kilos if I'm not, if you're bigger than me? It's like, you need to be training, you need to be staying up to date, like, with your body. If you're... Like, you can't have done every single exercise ever, you know, in 10 years of training. 
you know so when you're programming for clients it's like you, you might be programming exercises you haven't done in 10 years like that doesn't make sense how can you effectively coach it if you don't know what they're feeling what the movement requires so I think there has to be to a large part like you know you have to test it on yourself you have to train yourself you know it doesn't necessarily mean you have to do a physique comp or you know powerlifting or weightlifting or any competitive sport but I think at some point you need to be you know consistently trying things out in the gym experimenting on yourself so then like when things work you can go and take it to clients and it's a lot more sound when you say this is something I've been doing in my training this is also something that the literature says we're going to try it in your next you know eight weeks of programming mm. rather than I read it in a book so you're going to try it for eight weeks and we'll see if it works and you know you're not really considering well, it just like decreases your ability to actually understand and empathize with the and client, buying, especially and creating buying. Buying. And I think they're exactly the the reasons why I guess we've you know been able to gain clients, lose clients, lose clients, keep clients yeah. for so long, and be in a position now where we're helping other trainers, you know, make a career in this industry. And I I remember when I first created the JPS Facebook page. I thought, I want to be, like I mentioned, I want to be the go-to guy and all these other personal trainers are only posting and selling packages. Like yeah. all I would ever see on social media back then, this was in a very, very, um, you know, it was at the beginnings of the personal training industry, really. Instagram wasn't even a thing then. Instagram, well, Instagram would have been a thing, but it wasn't a thing we were aware of then. No, I don't think it was. I think it was... I think it's been around for a while, yeah. but anyway... So, personal training was in its infancy, and I remember just seeing sales, 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 and everything was about, you know, trying to get session packages sold and things like every, that. Every single person in in life is a salesperson. They're either selling mm. a good, a service, or an idea. And we didn't want to just sell, sell a service or a good, we wanted to sell the idea. Right? And, and, and so I think that's educate. really where we've leveraged from. And that's probably, that's one of the main reasons we've been successful because like we created a family, we've created, you know, you've created something way bigger than just you. It was never, it wasn't like, oh yeah, come sign up, like, you know, 10 sessions for, you know, 20 bucks, like, we'll, yeah. we'll take anything that we can get sort of thing. Like, it was, been, $20 a session is what I used to charge. Yeah, but <laughs> it's like, it wasn't just about the money yeah. and I think we moved past that. Like, everyone's a salesperson, um, it's just about how you go about it and I think... You know, there was, yeah, there was some Educating. level of integrity. Like we didn't want to yeah. sell out. We, at, you know, especially starting out, we didn't want to be like those other guys. You know, just advertising packages and transformations, and mm. you know, flipping clients. Like you know, it's no like an old pair business. of shoes. Like you can yeah. come in, wear them, go out. <clears throat> we went a bit more than that. We went deeper, mm. I think. Yeah, definitely did. I started to I really wanted. I really cared and wanted to show off my knowledge or what I thought was knowledge at the time. Yeah. Um, I really didn't know my, you know, ask for my hat back then, but Definitely. I, I taught people what I did know, even if it was wrong. Um, for the most part, it was yeah. helping people and it was, you know, getting people off their ass to do something. And slowly over time, I just, you know, I cared so much about the quality of information I was putting out that I wanted to know more and to learn more and to continually be that, you know, guy who had so much knowledge and information, um, but not only had the knowledge and information, but could implement it 
um, in a practical sense. So I think that's why I started the Facebook page and it just sort of started evolving yeah. from there. And I, I guess that was why people were so attracted to JPS is because it was more than community. just training. It was a community of people who wanted to learn and to get better. And I guess the way you approach things really determines the kind of people that you you attract. Attracts, yeah, for sure. sure. The law of attraction, like, you know, if you're posting out sales gimmicks and, you know, rubbish information, yeah, you're going to gonna attract a certain type of person for the want, most part. Who want the quick yeah. fix. <laughs> so, yeah, we learnt a lot and bodybuilding... We're still learning. We're definitely still, still learning, learning every single day. And after the bodybuilding and we sort of made all those mistakes, we transitioned into everything that sort of goes against bodybuilding really we wanted to get away from focusing on abs biceps chest and take a break from obsessive obsessing and fixating on our physique we yeah. sort of stumbled into powerlifting um through one of our coaches who worked for us now his own facility Vinay. so yeah shout out avia yeah he um he sort of showed you the ropes and yeah then he lived... i wanted to be better than you this was a role reversal he yeah, like that was interesting. I remember when like we were just doing like mainly body comp stuff at the time and mm. you know, I think he deadlifted and I was like like mind you this like two years into, you know, training, like three, four years into my own coaching and I'd probably done never a full depth squat. Yeah. We or, didn't full never, depth squat. I don't think I've ever deadlifted. We never deadlifted until And I saw it and I'm thing. like, what's that? Is that like weightlifting? And He laughed. Yeah. He, he laughed and you know, he said <laughs> Nah, it's powerlifting, and he'd seen me like bench press, and like he was just new at like working with us, and he was kind of like, yeah, you're pretty strong, like you should give it a crack. And I'm, I'm all for lifting heavy weights. I'm like, yeah. don't worry about the abs. I'll try and lift, you know, 250 kilos sort of sort of situation. So yeah, I got into powerlifting. Um, as I said, very mediocre powerlifter, um, but I'm trying. Um, we came second at junior nationals. Was it third? I don't know. I yeah, I'm pretty sure we came second. Might have. I don't think there was many people competing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, powerlifting is another sport that's grown like massively mm. since like I first started this like three four years ago. Since then, you know, I had bilateral hip arthroscopies, partial amputation of a finger. I had setbacks. <laughs> like, I had I had shit stop me you from pissed me off, so I cut his yeah. finger off. So it was like my first comp. I think I went like six from nine. I think, I think that's the best I've ever done, six from nine, which is not not something I advocate to my clients. And then when I started, I started powerlifting. Then I had like a year off with surgery, did another comp, wasn't too great. I don't think there. Actually, no, I was. I think I went from like five twenty two to five eighty mm. something total. Then Jacob got on board to powerlifting, and obviously I had to beat Sam. His legs are jacked as shit, and. Natural strength, obviously different weight classes. So I have a higher Wilkes. Thank Just. you. Thank you. Um, it was it was interesting though because when I got into powerlifting, it was still a little bit underground. It wasn't yeah, as powerlifting. Powerlifting has been popularized yeah. by like you know, like just literally like everyone the amount. In the yeah, industry. everyone in the industry. Like yeah, you know, people like JP Couchy, Carl DeFalco, those guys who you know mm -hmm. kind of. They were at the sport when it was really starting to gain momentum, mm. especially especially like with social media and stuff. Like you see these people, you know, squatting heaps of weight, bench pressing heaps of weight, and 
Yeah, interest. Yeah, I think interest in lifting heavyweights is increased. You know, for sure. Definitely something that's cool. Because no one lifted heavy when I started. No. It was all about abs and biceps. It was very much just a different process. For me. And yeah, when I got into powerlifting, um, I actually decided like 18 months before my first meet that I was going to do powerlifting. So yeah. like I prepared for, you know, the Which is what you need to do, kids. One and a half years. Because um, I squatted partial. <laughs> Yeah. Reps. So I'd never deadlifted before. What did you squat? Um, you squat? Anyway, he, and he took to it like a duck to water. And I think two fifty two fifty squat, 250 squat at eighty one kilos. Uh, one sixty bench. One sixty bench. Two fifty two deadlift. Two fifty two deadlift, deadlift, which is why I'll never deadlift again. So a few weeks ago, I beat his deadlift. <laughs> so so Sam Sam's that. got me now. But I guess yeah. the important lessons that powerlifting taught me that I didn't initially learn from being a bodybuilder was how important like training and programming is yeah like technique understanding anatomy um you I know think the functions of muscles I think one thing like I just think. following a program like consistently yeah. periodization like it taught me so many fundamental concepts of training that I sort of knew about through bodybuilding yeah, you but just didn't apply because you can get away with so much more in bodybuilding you just but if you, bodybuilding that's what we did that's yeah. all we knew was to work hard. keep training like and that's what makes good powerlifters I guess yeah just yeah. keep training and you know just keep grinding if it felt tough you know keep pushing suck it up and go <laughs> have like, another literally. free workout and yeah absolutely right powerlifting was like the first time I really followed like structured like mm. programming it was like I still have programs from when I first started like you know benching like 80 kilos it's like nearly you know benching one and a half times out for the same amount of reps sort of situation after like four years it's like they were fundamental skills that we were missing out on because we hadn't done that i think they both complement each other because they do i don't think the bodybuilding teaches you so much about nutrition and mindset and like how to build like mental fortitude and like to you know stay disciplined um which i think a lot of powerlifters don't have um, which I think bodybuilders have over I think powerlifters for the most part for the most yeah, part definitely um, especially at a recre- recreational level like anyone who's competed in bodybuilding at, even at a recreational level has had to have been disciplined for months on end yeah whereas I think powerlifters sort of have more leeway because it's only like an hour in the gym yeah. but I think the, the powerlifters have so much to teach the bodybuilders and I think doing both for me as an athlete and coach it's definitely the best thing I could have yeah, ever done. Like, I just think there's something I've definitely noticed of late. Is like just so I'm competing on Sunday. For those of you who don't know, um, I'm assuming none of you know. Um, <laughs> this might not even. This it's might not. Go it, this it's, might be yeah. So I'm competing this weekend, and one thing that I've like really picked up on in the last probably like four months even um, is just managing fatigue, and like it's one thing that you really don't pick up on in bodybuilding because it's kind of like. Everyone just tells you, you're going to feel shit, you're going to feel mm. tired, like everything is going to be harder. Life in general is harder. I remember like... You just get used you to know, dealing with Yeah, it. you just like kind of just grind and grind and grind and you just keep going and that's okay because that's what power, that's what bodybuilding is about. And powerlifting conversely is like really about fatigue management. Like it's a performance-based sport. It's not about how good you look because like the better you look, the worse you probably feel in bodybuilding... And powerlifting is always and, awesome. and powerlifting, yeah. The better it's you like, feel, the if you're feeling you great, feel. you're probably going to perform better. Mm. So, it's very important to like manage fatigue, and it's something that you know has become really abundantly clear to me of late. Um, which is like really important. It's like if I hadn't have done powerlifting and continued to push my body, 
you know, I've probably never felt as good for a prep. I've always been injured. Like, mm. there was an entire prep that I spent box squatting and only squatted before junior nationals. I only squatted nine sessions, nine squat sessions before I competed at junior nationals, like, mm. to full depth. And it's like, I just wasn't managing my injuries anywhere near as well as I should have been. I was just pushing because that's what I thought I needed to do. That's what I knew. That was all I knew. So, yeah, like, definitely both complement each other. And, mm. like, yeah, there's no reason people can't do bodybuilding and then, you know, in the off-season powerlifting. But I don't think, like, cutting weight classes and changing too much is a good idea. I think, you know, you should be, you know, pretty constant with at least some sort of goal, like a long-term mm. goal, not like chopping and changing yeah, you have to be consistent with whatever you're working towards. Yeah. And that's like, I'm in the complete opposite now. I sort of hang up the, the Borat suit October last year uh, when I finished yeah. nationals and knew straight away that I was going to get back into bodybuilding. So yeah. everything sort of changed. There was, you know, no more deadlifts. Yeah, shifted just, focus. The focus was shifted completely and, you know, I wasn't sort of in between one or the other trying to catch two rabbits and yeah and, and get, get none, get none. Um, so I guess that was yeah something that's important is just knowing where you want to go and on that where do, where do we want to go with JPS I was one of the other things I wanted to talk about today like where are we where are we taking this ship well, I've got to go, go on squat soon I've got to deload <laughs> uh, where do I want to be okay that's a good question um, it's probably something I haven't really thought about mm. where do I want to be see like, in JPS just to give everyone an understanding I am Always thinking so far ahead and Jacob's so ambitious. A, Jacob's the kite and he's allowed to fly in the wind and I'm the rock <laughs> that keeps him. Samuel grounded. is the reins and yeah. keeps I get, me. I get to slap his hand when he goes for the cookie jar. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so that's yeah. why I, I'm do, very aware of where I want to go. Why Samuel's <laughs> probably not so. Where, yeah, where do I want to go? In what sense? With my own training? With, with JPS. With JPS. With JPS. Where are we going? Well, I'd like. Yeah, okay. Well done, I'd, Yeah, I'd like to think that we're going to rival Pitbull. Um, we're going to be misters worldwide. <laughs> um, <laughs> one day. That's like that. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Mum and Dad. Um, no, hopefully, like, we can take we can take it there. Like, I think, mm. you know, it's just a matter of I want to take it as far as we can without diluting, you know, our core values and our quality and the things that we do and the things that we're known for in a positive way. And I want to really work on getting rid of those, you know, those weaker points, you know, making sure we have, you know, the best information, you know, we've now got like guys behind us who like, physios, yeah, we've got exercise science. Yes, yeah, exactly. We've got like Lyndon, we've got like physios, we've got people there, we've got a support network now who um, affect, they're like, they're in it, they're part of the family, like they are like going to help us get to where we want to be the next level and they're going to be there for the ride. Um, you know, and we'll, you know, we all make it, like if one of us makes it, we all make it sort of situation. Mm -hmm. So I definitely want to continue progressing forward with those guys, just making, you know, what we do, getting better at it and, you know, hopefully expanding to a point where, you know, we can, you know, who knows, be worldwide, be internationally known. Like, you know, we want three, 3DMJ wants to be the JPS of America <laughs> um, sort of situation. Yeah. But yeah. And as far as my training goes, where do I want to be? I don't know. I keep looking at my calves going, they haven't grown since I was 17. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I think 
Brad Loomis put up a photo of his calves? Jeff. Jeff. Oh, Jeff put up a photo. Yeah, Jeff put up a photo of his calves. 24 years of calf training, and it looks like he's got some decent calves. So, this touch one. touch back in 24 years, and hopefully I'll have some half decent calves. <laughs> um, but yeah, training. I just want to you know be jacked and strong. I think a couple of milestones that I want to hit, like in comp, mm. and then I can probably take a step back and focus on more some some more physique goals. Whether I compete or not, not entirely sure. Not entirely fast, but I just want to... Oh, and I want to finish my studies. Yeah. Like, I want to get that done so I don't have to you worry about it. You formally finish your degree, but you've got to do yeah, your... Yeah, practical legal practical training. Stuff, yeah. It's yeah. super practical mm. and very training. And I, on the other hand, yeah, what do you no want to do? qualifications. Don't need them. Qualifications um, are just a piece of paper. It's a piece of paper. Yeah. Um, where do I want to be? With JPS, I would like to be able to help more people, I think we've got a lot yeah. more to give offer. Yeah. and offer than just um, being only in Melbourne. I think what we do is yeah. pretty special, um, not only from um, how we do it, but the people we have doing it. I think if we yeah. can continue to find people, find are... the right people to yeah. do what we do, um, we can have a pretty positive change, um, not only on the quality of personal trainers in the industry, but definitely, um, you know, in the general community as well. Yeah. Um, I think that's a good point. Like, <clears throat> it's something. So it's a yeah. It's which it's an, I find myself in interest this interesting like position. I was speaking to Lyndon about the other day. It's like lawyers are so highly respected. They're like. You know, people go, oh, it's really hard to be a lawyer, you know, and it is a well-respected job, whether or not people like lawyers. And then personal training, on the other hand, people have this, like, there's a huge stigma attached to it. It's like, oh, you're you just can, a ju PT. Yeah, you are, you're a PT. It's like, you know, oh, I don't, don't want to really be associated with a PT. And it's kind of like, you know, mm. I have probably skated through a legal degree, you know, with the same amount of effort that it takes to get through, you know, personal training course. The, the difference is one just took longer and one cost me way more money <laughs> and there's one that I enjoy significantly more I think like what you just said before is like we I would love to see like us and like people like us bring up the reputation of you know personal training and coaches like to show that we're not we're not like a laughing stock we are like we are professionals we are good at what we do and we will continue to do that and you know kind of break out of that stigma that is attached to the industry, because there's so many shit personal trainers out there, but there's also so many good ones. Like in the industry, yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's that, the I other think, thing I, I wanted that's to, where we want to go. I wanted to touch on was yeah, providing a place for personal trainers to yeah, and to educate to, other people to well, work and to learn how to do things properly um, and learn from all our mistakes. And by no means, like so, we yeah. we aren't perfect and we're still learning ourselves, but. I think, you know, between us and the team that we've got, we've definitely made plenty of mistakes. We've learned from each other's mistakes, which is like a privileged position because at other mm -hmm. gyms, it's a lot more you know, competitive. Yeah, you are, you're, you're a lone wolf, you're a lone shark. You are against everyone else, whereas with us, we're, we're a team. And we get mm -hmm. to help and learn from each other and, you know, provide this environment. And I want to, I, I know you want to as well, like keep providing like environments, you know, around Australia, around the world, around the local area, so people can continue to come in, Learn. be educated, and again, just like literally raise the standard of personal training and, you know, I'd like to see, you know, Australia not be like in a complete disarray as far as health, like concerns mm -hmm. goes, but 
you know, that's a pipe dream. And I think one step at a time, we can slowly get there with the right people and the right attitude. Yeah. Guys, I'm deep. And Sam is really, really deep. That's as deep as, as deep I've seen feels. Sam go because his squats are very shallow. Um, yeah. But thank you, Samuel, for coming on. Guys, I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the JPS podcast. Uh, make sure you give it a like if you took something from it. And subscribe. Um, subscribe somewhere, somewhere down there. there. Um, yeah, I really appreciate everyone listening and hearing our story. Yeah. Um, thanks for coming on, Samuel. Um, I don't know why I call you Sam. I call you Samuel. Have done for all of our life. The entirety of my life. Guys, thanks again. We'll speak to you all next time. We might even do a part two where you have to decide. But Maybe. Thank you. If you can sit me down. <laughs> thanks, guys. That was good. That was.